0: Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Great to see you all this morning. Wonderful to be in his presence. Would you open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, please? Acts chapter 1. Just going to read a few verses. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John baptised with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And his brothers, and in those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about one hundred and twenty. Exciting times! In this series that we've started for such a time of this, we're going to be spending a lot of time in the Book of Acts, and the reason why is because this is the first generation of Christians. This is our ancestors in the faith. They weren't our first ancestors in the faith, but they were the first generation of Christians. And many things that happened amongst them set a precedent for what was to follow. They set principles and practices which would be healthy for the body of Christ in all that Jesus had commissioned them and us to do. And what I'd like to do today is just consider three things that we've just read, three things that were true about this first generation and are also true about us and the first one is if you go to verse 3 and it says in verse 3 that Jesus presented himself alive to them after suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Jesus spent 40 days demonstrating not only that he was alive but demonstrating the kingdom to them And the reason why is because he wanted them to see the kingdom of God. Now what occurs to me is, has he not just spent over three years explaining what the kingdom of God is and demonstrating it to them in his ministry? So why did he spend 40 days doing it to this new group of believers just before the Holy Spirit was sent? And I think they were in a different place because they were looking at the risen Christ. They saw him as he really is in an unveiled way, this risen and glorious King of Kings. And for Jesus, the priority is that they would see the kingdom of God. Now, we talk a lot amongst us, we talk a lot about the kingdom of God. And some of you may think, I know the phrase, I'm not entirely sure what it means. In its most simplest form, the kingdom is defined as that place which his rule and reign is in evidence that the king is clearly evidenced in his rule and reign. But that is just a simple definition. It doesn't really explain what the kingdom of God is. Because the kingdom of God has to be demonstrated. But really, his rule and reign is just the beginning of the kingdom of God. When you said yes to Jesus, and when you said, I want you to be my Lord and Saviour, that was the beginning of your journey. It was the beginning of the kingdom of God coming in your life and where you are. But that is not the end of the kingdom of God. That's just the beginning. The kingdom of God is all about the king. You see, in that time, Jesus didn't spend 40 days giving them a Bible study. I've heard people say, I'd love to have been there for the 40-day Bible study. Jesus didn't do a Bible study. Jesus showed them who he is. Because the kingdom of God is all about the king. And it was so important for them, and it's so important for us that we receive the kingdom of God from the king. It's not something we need to have heard about. It's something we need to see. And they received it because of the relationship they had with him. He wants every one of us to see his kingdom. But we, we, we see it, we receive it from the king. And we receive it as we relate to him. And... The work of the kingdom of God in our lives is for the king to come in all his fullness in us. You know, Paul writes to the Ephesians and he says, The plan and purpose of God, amongst other things, is that you would be filled with all the fullness of Christ. Every single one of us was born to grow into the maturity of Jesus Christ the Son. From the very beginning, Adam and Eve were formed as adults, but they weren't mature. And God's plan and purpose for them was that they would be maturing into the fullness of Christ. That plan and purpose stays the same. And it's the same today. It's about the fullness of Christ coming in my life and in your life. That's what the kingdom of God is about. So when we talk about extending the kingdom, the fullness of Christ and maturing into Christ and his image is what we do when we extend the kingdom. It's not just telling people about Jesus. It's showing people... Jesus being more fully revealed in us. And the thing is, that relationship between you and him, and he's talked about that to us today. It's about me and you, he said. But that relationship then becomes the lens. So I'm looking at you now through a pair of these. They've got lenses on. If I don't have them on, I can't see Loz. I can't see your face right now. But if I put these on, I can see you. See the lovely blue shirt you've got on? But I can see the detail. And that relationship that we have with him becomes the lens through which we see everything. And it's the lens of the kingdom of God. Because when the king is growing in fullness in us, then his priorities become our priorities. The way we see everything is how he sees everything. We see everything through the lens of the king and his kingdom. This was the thing that was true about these believers and it's what needs to be true about us as well. Yeah, it's good. Second thing, if you just go to the next couple of verses, verse four, it says, while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Second thing is this, he was telling them, you can do nothing without the Holy Spirit. That's right. you can do nothing without the Holy Spirit he didn't tell them to just wait he didn't say look in all circumstances just wait until you feel the moment's right to do something he didn't say that waiting is not necessarily a good thing he didn't say wait until some power comes when the power comes then you can do all I've given you to do he didn't say that he said wait for the Holy Spirit and when he comes, he will bring the power that you need to do the things that you've got to do. But the key is waiting for the person of the Holy Spirit. Waiting for the person of the Holy Spirit. And I've been thinking recently about how much in my life I can do without the Holy Spirit. And it's a lot. I can do a lot of things without him. I can do lots of things from my memory, I can do lots of things from my experience, I can do loads of things from the skills that I have, but he doesn't want me to live my life like that at all, and unfortunately because of the, the way our minds work, we tend to lapse back into that, just relying on those things, but he wants us to live completely dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit. You know what's interesting to me is that when you read further on in chapter 1, um, that bit we got to in, in verse 15, then Peter says, Okay, so elephant in the room, Judas is gone, uh, we need to pick a replacement. So they put forward two men as potential replacements, and then how do they make the decision? They cast lots. There's nothing kind of dodgy about that or nothing unusual or unprecedented about that. If you read your Old Testament, you know that was often a way to be able to understand the decision of the Lord. And the scripture says the lots are cast, but the decision is from the Lord. But what's interesting to me is this was a group of men and women who had not yet received the Spirit. So they just relied on what they did before. Well, let's cast lots. And the Lord Lord moved in that situation and he picked the person that he wanted to be the replacement apostle. But that's not how they made decisions after Pentecost. When the Spirit came, the person of the Spirit, he said, okay, we're going to do things differently now. And you'll see this repeated phrase throughout Luke's account is, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. I love that phrase. It seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. And I thought, I want to hear that more in my life. Why did you decide to do that? Because it seemed good to me and the Holy Spirit to do that. Now, just to be clear, I'm not talking about walking down the aisle of the supermarket and saying, Lord, is it the deluxe, is it, is it, is it the, um, the posh toilet paper or is it the own brand toilet paper? I mean, you can talk to the Spirit about those things if you want to. But that's not the point I'm making. The point is that everything that we do, we're including Him in it. And the more that we do that, the more that things become instinctive for us to hear his voice. You see, our model is Jesus. And everywhere he went, we only get the, the, um, the gospel writer's description of that. But we have hints of what was going on in the unseen realm. We have Jesus coming into a place. And then, is it this person I'm going to go to? Or is it that person I'm going to go to? Am I going to stay here for a few days? Am I going to move on at this point? And there was an inner conversation going on all the time with the Holy Spirit. And every time Jesus said, okay, what are we doing? You need to go to that person. Okay. And I I even think that Jesus sometimes didn't know what he was going to say. He just stood in front of someone. Then the Spirit said, this is what you're going to do. Because he wanted us to follow in his footsteps. And he wanted us to live the same way, a life dependent on the Holy Spirit. Yes. And I think it's a good exercise for us just to think about everything that we do individually and together and say, how much of it could we do without the Holy Spirit? Now, I'm not saying that we don't organise anything and that we're waiting every moment to say, OK, Spirit, what's next? I'm not saying that. But I'm saying in our hearts, it's a heart attitude that we have a listening ear all the time. Arna spoke to us about this last week. Arna is, is such a pace setter in this. He's such an example in just always just, I'm listening, Lord. I'm listening. I'm listening. I've always got an ear open. You see, if you haven't got an ear open, the Holy Spirit sometimes just can't tell you things. Simple as that. But that's where we need to be. What's interesting to me also is that um, he then he talks about the Holy Spirit again in verse 6 Jesus says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth it's like Jesus is saying okay the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and he's going to give you what you need to witness to the people around you yep. then he's going to take take you a little further afield to other people and he's going to take you even further afield and he's going to take you to far flung places and you're going to be taken increasingly out of what is familiar to you so part of the work of the spirit and this partnership we have with him is that he will come and take you into unfamiliar places where you will not want to go that's the deal so if you want to involve the holy spirit in your life that's what it entails so you have to ask yourself the question am i willing to go to unfamiliar places for the disciples Jerusalem and Judea the immediate surroundings was where Jesus who they were witnessing about had been rejected to go to Samaria was to go to a group of people who they didn't really want to mix with they looked down on them and to go further afield was people that never even heard of them why would I want to go there and I think the Lord wants us to go to people that have rejected us Maybe in the past. Maybe where we feel we'll get a rejection. The Holy Spirit's going to send us there. He's going to send us to people that we wouldn't normally want to mix with. Maybe we feel we've got nothing in common with. Holy Spirit says, I'm going to send you there. And he's going to send us to people we've never even met. Complete strangers. Chance encounters. And the Holy Spirit will be with us and will be using us in all those places if we are willing Here's the third thing, verse 15, the last verse we read. It says, in those days, Peter stood up among the brothers, and it says in in parenthesis, the company of persons was in all about 120. Now we know what happens next, don't we? What happens in chapter two? Pentecost. Spirit comes, it settles on the 120, and then Peter gets up and preaches a masterful uh, who, where did that come from Peter <laughs> suddenly Peter's z- zooped up in his preaching ability and 3000 people get saved yeah. now it occurs to me that every single one of those 120 people were necessary for what came next this wasn't about 12 apostles right. yeah, this was 120 men and women yeah. every single one of them was needed for what happened next Absolutely. and they learned to lessen that day That they were all necessary for the mission that Jesus had given them. It wasn't down to a few, but it was not down to many, it was down to all. 120 people, 3,000 people came in. You know, if you do the Mass, that's about 25 people each. That's a big life group on day one. And you've only just got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you're now leading them. Can you imagine? But God always says, you'll have everything that you need. We all are necessary. I know I probably sound like a broken record. This probably sounds like a broken record. Because it needs to be hammered home into my head and all of us that we're all necessary. And the thing is, the enemy will often tell you that you are not necessary for the purpose and mission of God in this place amongst these people that you're not actually necessary, that you're slightly surplus to requirements. At best, you may be a stand-in. Enemy said that to me before. You're not necessary. Because the one thing that he does not want is for the whole body to be mobilised. Because when the whole body is mobilised, that's when the fullness of the king comes. You see? The fullness comes of him in my life, but that's just one expression of the king. There are multiple expressions of the king. How could I fully express Jesus Christ? I can't. It takes billions upon billions of people to express the huge multifaceted and glorious nature of Jesus. And in this room, we have some expressions of him. So every single one of them is needed. The series title is For Such a Time as This. And my question to you this morning is, what time is this? It's not rhetorical. It's a genuine question. What time do you think this is? If we are called for such a time as this, what time is it? It can be a time of transformation. That's right. But I I don't want this just to be something that sounds good for such a time as this. Come on. But what time is this? We need to know the time we're in if we're going to serve the purpose of God in our generation. Yeah. 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 Well, if you look around you at the world we live in, recently there was a, um, a new word added to the Collins Dictionary. And the word was permacrisis. Permacrisis. I looked at the definition of this word crisis is an extended period of instability and insecurity, especially one resulting from a series of catastrophic events. Let's read that one more time. An extended period of instability and insecurity, especially one resulting from a series of catastrophic events. And that phrase has been in our vernacular for a few years And at some point, dictionary writers say, okay, that's now an accepted word. It's going in the dictionary. And it's been used to describe the last few years around the globe. Now, when I first heard that, I thought, that sounds like history to me. That sounds like the history of mankind. Lurching from one catastrophe to another, never secure, always unstable. If you know anything about history, that's a good description of history. But for people out in the world, they're thinking, no, this is a recent thing. Nothing's new under the sun. Everything that's happened has happened before. God's seen it all. So the question is, is that the time we're living in? Or is it the time of God's kingdom? See, with this first generation and the coming of the Holy Spirit to fill men and women with Christ, came the kingdom of God. And began the age of the kingdom of Christ. And his word clearly says is that the kingdom of God will fill this earth. This is the time of the kingdom. It's the time of God's unshakable kingdom. This is a really important point for us. And I'll tell you why. You have to decide how you view events in your life and around you in the lives of others. Whether you want to accept the narrative that the world has, which is loosely called history, or whether you want to look at everything that happens and has ever happened from God's perspective. And if you want to see the kingdom of God, you need to see everything from God's perspective. Remember that lens I was talking about? Someone once said, it, It's not history, it's his story. It's his story. He was there before it all began. He'll be there when it's all wrapped up at the end. It's his story. And that doesn't just mean the history of the world. It means the history of your life. Your life is his story. It's all about the things that he's been doing and will do in your life to bring you to this place. And I think sometimes we have to reject a narrative of our own lives That just isn't true. Because we can see our own lives and our own history in the natural instead of seeing it the way God sees it from God's perspective. And the reason why this is important is because I believe each one of us has been shaped by God for the purpose he's called us to. From before you were even born, every day of your life was written in his book. From before you were born, God was thinking and planning and scheming about everything he was going to use you for. And that doesn't just mean the good stuff. He knew all of the other stuff that's going to happen in your life. And in his wonderful, providential brilliance, has worked everything and weaved everything in your life to shape you for the purpose he's planned for your life. And that fullness I was talking about is all about hearing from him and receiving from him a vision of what you've been shaped for, the purpose he's called each of us for, and then embracing that. What I'd like to do now, if it's okay with you, I want to ask you a question and I want you to sit and think about it just for a couple of minutes if it helps close your eyes it's a question which I've been considering recently and it's this I want you to think about maybe two or three things that you feel have shaped your life a big question I appreciate it takes more than a few minutes. I get that. But I know that the Holy Spirit wants to do something right now, because he's told me. The Holy Spirit wants to bring to mind things very quickly to you two or three things in your life that you feel have shaped who you are. So I'm just going to take a couple of minutes for you to think about that and just listen to the Holy Spirit. He's going to show you. For me, uh, some of the relationships in my life, that was a common thread, wasn't it? Relationships. My relationships have uh, made a difference. Um, When I was a teenager, I struggled terribly with loneliness. That was a real horrible thing for me. And that led me into all sorts of problems just just something simple as loneliness. Uh, I got arrested. Um, I'm not going to tell you that whole story, but if you want to find out, come and talk to me. I got arrested and given a police caution, and, and I think probably the root of that was loneliness. It, that's how it started. But you know what happened in that, for me, was that then my relationship with him filled that gap. And the Holy Spirit, I remember... In sort of a, a real low point in my life where the Holy Spirit, it just dawned on me that all the stuff I'd been through to that point in my life, he'd been with me for every single moment. He was the, he was the one witness Amen. to everything in my life. Yes, that's right. And I suddenly thought, if anyone's going to get me, it's the Holy Spirit. I mean, he's been there all the time. He's not just witnessed me do things, but he's heard all my thoughts as well. I mean, no one understands me like the Holy Spirit. And that's true for all of us. He's my companion. Um, that's just one thing the reason why I wanted to share by the way is because um, there's a few couple of things first thing is this Rich and I were praying um, for someone a few weeks ago and Rich you had a picture of a key going into a lock do you remember that? key in a lock yeah and it was, it was what God was saying into what we were praying into but then the spirit started to speak to me about it, it just stayed with me and, and the spirit started to show me that each one of us is a key that's been shaped and filed down and and precisely made to go into a lock. And being shaped for purpose is about being shaped into a key to fit a lock. And some of those locks are going to be other people that God's shaped you and and the experiences that you've had. Deb's your experience as a social worker, I mean, I've seen what that's given you, and I've seen you use yourself as a key into, into situations, to unlock something. And um, and then it occurred to me that actually locks, you know, when you have a key, it just fits one lock and that's it, isn't it? It's never going to fit another lock. And the Lord said to me, yeah, but you're different to that. You're a changing key. You're a key that's changing shape, because all these things that are going on in your life... I, I am working all things together for good for those who love me and are called according to his purpose. I'm shaping you for purpose. So, the, the lock that you fit back then, maybe you don't fit anymore. Maybe you fit different locks, different situations now. God has shaped you for so that you can unlock that situation. And the reason why I wanted to get a few people just to share was because there are so many locks. And there are lots of keys in this room. And you may hear someone like Debs and say, do you know what? I think I know a lock that that will fit. I don't fit that lock. Sometimes some of us think we don't fit any lock. And God wants to say to you today, I don't make a key that doesn't fit a lock. I shape a key for purpose. And I've shaped you to fit a lock. And sometimes we fall into the trap of banging a key into a lock and it just don't fit and you're not the key in that situation maybe someone else across this body is and that's why it's good to hear each other's stories and I just want to encourage you to share your stories I give you permission to ask anyone in the body and say do you mind telling me what your three things were they might just open up and there may be something in there you know what strikes me is when Barnabas went to Antioch real happening place, loads of stuff going on, fantastic. This apostle arrives. Now, let's be honest, lots of us would say, yep, this is, this is now my place of residence. As apostle, I'm owning this. But that's not what he did. He went and got Paul. Now, I don't know why he went to get Paul, but something told Barnabas, I need Paul in this situation. And God wants to use us and wants us to draw on each other. And I realise you're not going to know everyone's story of everyone in this room. But if we're attuned to the spirit and if we're saying, Lord, what do I need for this situation? The spirit will lead you to someone else in the body that may have what's needed in that situation. And may come with you. It may be someone that you need to introduce them to. And that is the body working together. And that's what, how God wants us to be. We're shaped for purpose. The purpose will change and sometimes we'll need each other to come alongside each other because we will see things in them that we don't have but are needed in a particular situation and all of that requires us to trust one another to draw from one another and for that to be the way that we work together that's the vision that paul lays out to the ephesians that each part playing its each part of the body working properly builds the body up in love This is how it practically manifests itself. So, Father, I just want to thank you that you have called us for such a time as this, Lord. And this is the time of your kingdom. I thank you, Lord, that you have shaped us for purpose. Lord, like the first generation of believers, we want to see your kingdom, Lord. And for each of us right now, we just say to you, open the eyes of our heart, King of kings, Let us see you and your kingdom and your fullness and let us see everything else around us through the lens of that relationship we have with you. Spirit of God, we say, Lord, let everything that we do, Lord, be dependent upon you. Lord, we give you permission to take us increasingly out of our comfort zones and for you to fill in the gap of what we don't have, but for what's needed, Lord. And we just pray that in this body, Lord, there would be much more interaction and interdependence, Lord, as you align us and you align our relationships and you use each of us, Lord, to sharpen and to serve and to help one another in the work that you've called us to. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 Praise God. Thank you, folks. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.